flip over to the epistle of James, and um, we will be taking up in there. Now, I, I see several new faces in here, so I just kind of want to give like just a just a kind of a, a kind of a general overview of the book of James. James is the brother of Jesus, well, half brother of Jesus. See. Um, uh, Joseph and Mary didn't have any children. You know, Mary uh, was a virgin when the Holy Spirit came upon her, and uh, she conceived. The, the virgin gave birth, and so uh, we have that. But then after she was born, the Bible says that um, Joseph and Mary had other children. Jude is one of them. Um, James is one of them. You know, Jesus had half-brothers uh, that came later, and um, James is one of them. The, the epistle of James is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have him. He's coming here. He is speaking to Christians. Okay, He is speaking to Jewish believers specifically. And so that, that is Jewish people who have given their hearts to Jesus, put their faith in him. Okay, That's who they're talking about. And um, as he is now speaking to them, it's not just a matter of, hey, you know what? You, you need to believe in Jesus to be saved. See, what he's doing, he's really speaking to believers. So the audience is the church, but he's speaking, saying, hey guys, I, this is what is necessary to become mature believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how you walk in maturity in the things of the Lord. And, and he's really um, hitting some very fine points on, on different areas that kind of zing us all. Anybody here not been convicted or challenged, or every single week that I get up, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm failing. Like, I, I shouldn't even be a pastor. Because like, <laughs> the things that James says, they're, they're so easy to understand, and yet so very difficult to apply to our lives because we understand them. See, like the big high holy stuff that, that's like difficult to understand, I can justify my mind. It's like, well, I just don't really understand it. But James, man, he just zings me because it's like, I do understand it. Oh, and I, and I know that I don't do it, Right? Uh, Paul kind of spoke along this line saying like, man, the things that I, that, that I want to do, the things that I will to do, he goes, those things I do not. He goes, but the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. He's like, all wretched, you know, faith, you know, how can I escape this body of death? You know, he was, you know, Paul was expressing his frustration over his inability to do the things that he knows that he wants to do, the things that the Spirit of God was leading him to do within. And James is kind of touching on a lot of those points for us. Right, and I, I always kind of jokingly say, you know, I have a couple of illustrations about the, the the epistle of James. You know, one, it's like getting into the into a, a wrestling match with um, Randy Carrasco. He's that big guy who's like, you know, and, and he he does jujitsu and all that kind of stuff. And I call him the Anaconda Carrasco, right? Because like he gets in there and it's like, you know, he, he squeezes you and it like crushes the life out of you. I've I've done it, okay. Um, you know, and James is kind of like that, just in the sense like, you know, these truths are so powerful that it's like, wow. And it just like kind of like, ooh, I, I can't get away from that. Surrender. I give up. And then the other aspect of James is that it's very understandable. This is a very understandable book. It's not difficult to understand. I always jokingly say, because I have kids, that it's like, you know, James put the cookies on the coffee table, not on top of the refrigerator. And everybody can reach into the cookie jar and, and take of them because his truths are very simple. And tonight's uh, message that we're going to be going through it's verses it's chapter 4 verses 11 through 17 we have two little vignettes but both of them are dealing with a um a, a singular topic and that topic is pride so anybody here not struggle with pride oops gotta put my hand down 
right? Yeah, none of us should raise our hand. We, you know, we all struggle with pride. It's something that, that it's ingrained in us, right? And, and if you don't struggle with pride, you know, well, the, when was the last time that you got in an argument, right? The very fact that you're in an argument means that you're struggling with pride because like you, you're, you're contending with somebody that you're right and you started getting flush in the face and, and you started like raising your voice a few octaves and, and you start going up there. And the reason why is because you're dealing with your own pride, Right. And so um, I have kind of like an overall verse that kind of like ties all of what we're going to be studying in James here together. And it's in Romans chapter 12, verse three. Write it down if you're taking notes. And, And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Guys, it's so important that we don't think of ourselves too highly, right? We need to keep a humble perspective as believers. And it's very easy, many times like, hey, you know what? Oh, I study the Bible all the time. Oh, I pray all the time. And we can start to think that because I do those things, right? Because I spend time praying, because I spend time reading the Bible, that I am now elevated as a Christian. Look at me, the pastor of you all. But no, that's not really the right way of thinking. Right? We are to stay humble before our Lord. We are to come before the Lord knowing that every single one of us was a sinner saved by grace. And when we look at other people and, and, and that are struggling with the very same things that we struggle with, that we should be merciful and kind to them. Right? In James, in these verses 11 through 17, we're going to be dealing with a couple areas of pride. One of them is in slandering others, and the other is going to be trusting in ourselves. Right? I did it my way. Yeah, there's a song about that, isn't there? Some famous singer, I did it my way. Yeah, there you go, right? You know, that's something that we like to do. We like to trust in ourselves. We like to trust in our own ability. Oh, I don't need help. I can do it. Don't, don't help me. I can do it. If you talk to like little Josie Miller, I love Josie Miller to death. He's one of my favorite kids. And, but you know, it's like if anybody tries to help him, he's like, no, I can do it myself. But you know what? That's pride. It's pride, even in a little kid, right? It's pride, and we oftentimes deal with that. So we're going to look on this lesson of pride tonight, and we're going to just jump right in because it's so much fun, isn't it? Aren't these great topics that just like, oh, but you know what? We need it. We really do need it. So uh, let's take up in verse 11 of chapter 4 of James. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges a brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this, your word. Lord, we do pray that you would help us to understand these truths. Lord, that you would help us to be mindful of our own sin nature, Lord, and the pride that wells up so easily within us. 
And Lord, that you would help us to combat those things. That we might be men and women who are humble and gentle, lowly in spirit, Lord, rejoicing in truth, despising evil. Lord, we glorify your name this evening and pray that you would speak to us now. For we come in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, it starts off with a very simple exhortation. Do not speak evil of one another. This word, speaking evil, it's a, it's a Greek word. It's actually a single word in the Greek. But uh, to translate it into English, we translate it speak evil. It actually is translated multiple ways. Um, some of them are slander. Right? And basically, you know, what's slander? Slander is when you openly you know, like blast somebody. Right? You don't care if that person is there, you don't care if they're not there, but you're just like, raw, and you're attacking them. Right? Our politicians do that all the time, don't they? Like, instead of talking about the issues, they, they, they mudsling, and they, they go off. That's slander. Okay, so this word can mean that. It can mean to, to openly attack somebody. But it can also mean talking down to somebody. Anybody here ever been in a conversation with somebody who thought they were something special and they kind of condescended down to you? Let me try to engage your poor little intellect, right? Have you ever had that? Man, I've had it, right? Sometimes you go as a pastor and and, and people walk up and you start like sharing some truth. And if it's a truth they don't agree with, they'll say something like this. What seminary did you go to, son? And it's like... Oh, wow, you know, I didn't go to seminary. I just went to Calvary Chapel Bible College, and then for my internship, I planted a church with my pastor, Joey. You know, I did the children's ministry, the youth ministry. The, oh, I, but what seminary? Oh, then you're not qualified, I don't think. You know, it's like, you, you get that kind of stuff. But people will talk down to you, thinking like, oh, that they are somehow elevated above you because of their education or because of their money. Right? Ever had that one? Somebody who thinks that there's something special because mommy and daddy gave them a new car. Right? But really in the end, is a man judged or a woman judged by the car they drive? Absolutely not. Does God care? In that day when they stand before the throne of, of God, will God say, wow, can I drive your car? No. Of course not. He won't care whether you have air conditioning or not, right? You can, you can be driving that beater car that like makes all that noise and pollutes the atmosphere, and he's going to be like, what did you do with my son Jesus? And that will be the only question that matters. Okay, But, but people talk down. See, that's another way of speaking evil. Um, another way is gossip. Right Now, this is the same thing. It's an attack against a person, but now it's behind their back. It's the whisper. It, it, it's that, that thing that travels faster than light, it seems, right? You know, one, you're like, hey, hey, don't tell anybody this, but... And then by the time you walk out the door, somebody's coming in the door saying, did you hear? Right? It's like, you know, gossip works that way. And that's another way of speaking evil against people. So now, where does this idea, where does this speaking of evil come from? Well... We've kind of talked about this. Remember, James kind of talked about it. And really what it is, um, this speaking evil, whether it be slander, openly attacking somebody, talking down to somebody, gossiping behind their back, these things all come from unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, covetousness, jealousy within our own hearts, right? Because the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And if we are attacking somebody openly, it's because of the hatred that is welled up in our own hearts. If we are talking down to somebody, it's because we have puffed ourselves up and in our own hearts we are full of haughtiness and pride. Right? If we are gossiping behind somebody's back, it's because we covet what they have or we are jealous of the position that they have attained or the respect they have from the people around us. Right? 
So in the end, you know, that's where these things come from. And, but this is the, the, a very important truth for us if we want to be mature believers. Where these things exist, love cannot. Okay, now when, when I talk about love, you guys know that I'm talking about that agape love. It, it's, it's, a, it's a Greek word, and it means self-sacrificing love. It is not a natural love. It's not a, a love that you know, begins in our own hearts because we're good people. But this agape love, it is a love that is supernatural. And as God fills our lives, he fills our hearts with this supernatural ability to love people even when they are being horrible to us, being patient, long-suffering, merciful, kind. Okay? And and, and this agape love is the evidence of salvation. Now, a lot of people can say, oh, I've gone to church my whole life. That may be so. But if you don't agape, then there is no evidence of salvation in your life. Some people will say, oh, no, 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 I speak in tongues. That's the evidence uh, of salvation. Well, you know, if I try really hard, I can say, should about a hundred, should about a hundred, should about a hundred, should about a hundred, should about a hundred. And I can say I'm speaking in tongues. But in the end, if I do all of those things, it, you know, in, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, it gives a whole list of things that I can do, right? You know, I, I can have all wisdom. I, I can unravel the mysteries of the universe. I can give my body to be burned as a martyr. I can speak in tongues. I can have all these spiritual giftings. I can give all my money to the poor. And yet he says, if I do not love, and that word love is, that, once again, it's that agape. It's that self-sacrificing love. It's the love that was demonstrated on the cross of Calvary, right? Christ's cross, If I don't love like that, he says, then all of those things have profited me nothing. They don't mean anything. They really don't. So we need to understand that where these things exist, where slander, we're talking down to people, where gossiping happens, guess what? That is a huge, huge red flag saying, warning, warning, warning. You know, if you've ever driven with your check engine light on, it's the warning, warning. And this is a warning sign too. If these are the things, the overflow of your heart, where these things exist, God's love does not, isn't, isn't occupying. So be careful. Also, these things cause disunity in the body of Christ. Because see, when he said, do not speak evil, he said, of one another. Who is he talking to? What's the audience? He's talking to the church, isn't he? He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to people outside uh, of the, the, the kingdom of heaven. He's talking to the people who are within. And these things, the, the, the speaking evil of one another, of our brothers, of our sisters, whom Christ died for, it brings disunity in the body. And as I was thinking about this, as I was pondering this truth, I thought, what would happen... If my immune system, because you know your immune system is part of your body, right? It's an, it's an important part. Anybody here get sick often, right? You, you know how important an immune system is. When Trinity you know, was going through her cancer treatments, you know, like her immune system, that was a huge thing. She couldn't be around people who were sick because her immune system wasn't working properly. Brenna, with her uh, getting the kidney transplant, you know how important it was that she couldn't be around anybody for months. Why? Because her immune system was compromised. But now if you take your immune system and you take it the other direction and it goes crazy, then it can attack your own body. And that that does happen to people as well. But I thought, it's like, gosh, you know, what would happen if my immune system got angry at my heart and began attacking it instead? What would that do to me? Well, it would ruin my day, 
Okay, it would ruin my day. And you know, we as believers, we make up part of the body of Christ, right? And, and like right now you might say, okay, I'm the mouth, right? Here I am, gabbing again, off I go. But oftentimes you guys are the hands, the feet, the lungs, right? Those of you who pray, lungs of the church, prayer, right? The blood, the, 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 the things that, that, that keep life, the muscles, the tendons, the things that keep the church moving and going and growing, strengthening one another but what happens when one part of the body attacks the other part it makes the body go crazy right if i take with my hand i pick up this this stand or i pick up this thing and i smash my toe because i'm angry at my toe then guess what oh the whole body's affected and i don't care about anything else all i can think about is my toe Okay? And the same thing happens here when we speak evil of one another, when we slander, when we gossip, when we talk down to one another. It's the same sense. The body of Christ is attacking itself, and guess what it does? It takes all of the attention. Now, because now, look, I'm a pastor, yet if I smash my toe, guess what? It's going to be really hard for me at that moment to be sharing the gospel with people. It's going to be very difficult in that moment to, to, to teach a sermon to you guys. And the same thing that happens in the body, when the body starts attacking itself, it makes it very difficult for the church body to do what it's supposed to do. I know of a pastor, I'm not going to say who and I'm not going to say where, but I personally know this pastor, and he's sick with cancer right now, today. His church is attacking him because he's not spending enough time in the office. Think about that for a second. Is that church doing what it is called to do? Is that church being what it is supposed to be? No, it's not. I think about you guys, and it's like, this is why it's so foreign to me. It's like, it's so bizarre to me because you guys came behind me and Heidi, right? You guys lifted up our family. You know, I've been kind of going around and like looking at all the different ministries now and kind of just like saying, okay, what's going on? Let Let me see, because you guys ran with these things and the church has flourished in that time because you guys were being the body of christ and one part of the body was injured and you guys filled in the gap yeah like when i've i've broken my arms i've broken my both of my wrists and things like that and when i i guarantee you when i broke my arm guess what i did i coddled it with the other arm i protected it i didn't like oh you dumb arm oh right that would be the last thing i'd want to do but i coddled it i protected it i cradled it Right? And that's what you guys did for us. I can't even imagine what my, this pastor that I know, what he's going through. He himself having cancer and then the people attacking him because he's not spending enough time in the office doing his pastoral duties. It's astounding to me. But nevertheless, it causes disunity in the church and it is not pleasing to the Lord. Okay? Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law. How many of you guys understand what that means? Do you know what what James is saying here? You who speak evil of one another judge the law. It's like, wait a second, the law? What What does judging my brother have to do with judging the law? Well, let me kind of break it down for you. What law is he talking about? Right, is he saying that by speaking evil against my brother, so I, I, I come over and I go, Jed, you know, oh, you're a bad boy, oh, like this. Is that saying that thou shall not murder is wrong? Is that what it's saying? Not really, it's not really what he's getting at. What is he talking about here? Well, he's talking about the royal law of love, right? 
He's talking about, you know, and that's the concept, that, that's the law of the New Testament. But not only that, because Jesus you know, told us, he says, as I have loved you, loved one another. By, by your love, people will know that you are my disciples. Right? Th- that's what we're called to do. We're called to love one another. But not only that, but you know, even when you look at the Old Testament law, the law uh, and the prophets, right? What, how is the whole law summed up? Do you guys remember? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On this, on these two commandments, hang all of the law and all of the prophets. Right? The entire Old Testament hangs on two commandments. Love. Okay? And so, we are called to love one another. James 2.8, we've already studied this. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, that's the royal law of love, he says, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you do well. Right? We are called to love, right? And, and throughout different verses in the New Testament, we are called to love our wife, we're called to love our husbands, we're called to love our children, we're called to love our neighbors, we are called to love our enemies. And even if that's not enough, extreme enough, we're called to pray for the politicians. Right? And pray for their good, behave. Okay? These things we are called to do. And, and, and here's the reality. When I come against you, when I slander you, when I speak down to you, when I gossip behind your back, what am I doing? I'm breaking the law of love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your enemy, love your wife, love your husband, love your neighbor, love your children. Right? I'm breaking that law. And how, how is it that I become a judge of the law? Because if I say, hey, you know what? I understand that I'm supposed to love you guys, but I'm going to do it anyway. Then what am I doing in my own mind? I'm saying that I have a greater rights. I have a greater authority than the law itself. And I am judging the law, even though it tells me to do this, to love you, I don't have to obey it. So I am judging that it is somehow wrong or bad. Right? I am literally coming against the law. I am exalting myself above the law and then saying... I don't have to follow you because there is some flaw in the law. Oh, you, would, you don't really mean that you want me to love Hitler, do you, Lord? Oh, you don't know that was when he was alive. You know, oh, Lord, you don't want me to really love you know, the, the brotherhood, right? Well, of course he does. Because he wants us, it's through love that we will share the gospel with them, and maybe they'll repent. Okay? That is a difficult love, isn't it? But that's agape. But when we speak against one another, we judge the law, right? We judge that it is not good. We judge that we are above it. He says, and he says, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. Of the law. Remember what James said, one of our earlier exhortations from James, that we as mature believers are supposed to do? Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers, right? Be doers of the word. Right? And he's saying, but if you judge one another, if you attack one another, slander one another, he says that you are not a doer of the law, but now you are above the law. You are a judge of the law. He says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Right? There is one lawgiver. That is God. Right? He is the one and only who can give a law, a just law, a righteous law, a holy law. Right? It's not us. Who are we to say that you know, he is wrong? He says, love your enemy. Can you imagine if every single Christian on the face of the earth loved their enemy? What would our world look like? How would we completely shake the foundations of this earth? What would this world look like 
if every single person who named the name of Jesus Christ loved their neighbors? How would that radically change our culture? What if every single man and woman who, who bear the name of Jesus Christ, Christian, little Christ, that's what that means, by the way, if we all loved our wives and loved our husbands, what would that do to the United States of America? And what would this city look like if every single Christian loved their children? And I really mean loved their children. It would radically change this culture for Jesus Christ and the kingdom. Who are you to judge another? See, it is our pride that makes us judge other people. It's our pride that says, oh, her hair, look, do you see her hair today? It's our pride that says, oh, look at him. Did you see that? It's our pride that goes like, oh, my kid's better than their kid. Right? And it's not good. The mature believer needs to put down pride. Verse 13, he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow. And I want to stop there for a second. That word say, it just means say. It means to speak. But in the context now of, of what James is talking about, it, it can, it can, it's inferring boasting. Right, so it, it would be appropriate to say, come now, you who boast. And so then you can kind of, like, just pretend you're Bryson Miller for a second and get your, your accent like this. And say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make profit. Right, how he likes to do that. Right, so it's, it's kind of like, you're, you're, what he's saying, he's, the example he's giving is somebody who's boasting, saying, yeah, you know what, I, I got the plan, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and we're going to get rich, and it's going to be cool, I, I'm sorry that, yeah, you're not, yeah, but you know, here I go. Right, it's somebody who's trusting in their own ability, trusting in their own knowledge, in their own wisdom. He says, whereas you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right, Rich saw an accident. He didn't see the accident. He saw the, the leftovers of the accident of what looked like a big diesel truck hit the Caltrans crew that was on the side of the road. And like all the fire trucks were there and all that kind of stuff. How many of those men standing there working that day, when they got up this morning, how, how many of them had an argument with their wife or their girlfriend? How many didn't say I love you to their children when they walked out the door? How many of them had the possibility even in their mind that they would get hit by a diesel today? He says, don't be boasting about, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And oh, look at me, look at me. He says, no, he says, you don't even, you're not even guaranteed tomorrow. He says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. He says, for what is your life? And, and, and that's an important question. That's a question of the ages, huh? That's a question for the philosophers. That's a question for the theologians. What is your life? Because when we're in our life, you know, th those of you who are more mature, how many, like, when you, when you think about yourself and in your own mind, you feel just like you did when you were a kid, right? Now, the tent's a little bit more worn down. Like, there's a few more aches. There's, you know, a little, the, the ends of the, of the door a little bit tattered, right? Right? The, the, I mean, that have, I'm only 38 and I got that. Right? My wife's 38 and, like, her back and, like, eh, like this. It's like, you know, these things happen. But in the end, like, if I'm just standing here and in my mind and my thoughts, like, I'm exactly the person I was, you know, 20 years ago. I don't think of myself as anything different. I think of myself as young, and, and, and I, I start realizing it's like, you know, the people with gray hair are closer to me than the people with, without, right? Because it's like, I'm getting more and more of the gray and all that kind of stuff, I, you know, uh, 
it's a wake-up call when they say, okay, get in, get in order by age, and I'm on the end. And it's like, what happened? I used to always be the young guy. I'm not so young anymore. People always say, you're the pastor? Because I'm so young. But they think I'm young. It's like, well, actually, I'm 38. I got, you know, four kids, one in heaven, and I got a lot of gray. I'm like, oh. But, you know, in the end, you know, what is life? We think, we think that this life, and we act especially when we are young, we act as though this life is eternal, don't we? Right? You talk to these kids, none of them are concerned about death. None of them have any, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, like at the Santa Ana Riverbed, they have those big walls that jut out, and they're like, I don't know how high they are, like 20, 30 feet. Me and Rich actually used to walk out on those to the very end. And we'd like, just walk out there and like look around like this. I'd lean over the edge, like, oh, look at this. Turn around and walk back. If I saw my kids doing that, I would faint. Probably, right? And could I walk out there now? Absolutely not. I'd be walking out there going like, whoa, whoa, right? Because I know I'm not eternal now, right? Then I knew now all I think about is like, what if I break something? Like it'll hurt and it'll take a long time to heal where before I didn't care. It's like, ah, whatever, I'll just walk out there, right? I fear pain now where I never did before. He says, but what is life? He says, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Uh, those of you, when you pumped your coffee into your cup, you see that little vapor go up? That's your life, right? That, that's about the weight of your life. That's, that's the material of your life is that little vapor, whoosh, gone. Eternity is a greater reality than this life, right? The things that we think are solid right aren't so solid if, if you you can ask abe you know or probably jed too you can ask me a little bit even bryson right you ask about the like the makeup of an atom and it's like you have the the proton and the neutron and then you got the electron but in between the atom is mostly space right there's nothing there so we're actually more nothing than something okay when we get to heaven i guarantee we're going to be more something than nothing okay it is the greater reality this is the tent then we will be clothed in the mansion tents are temporary mansions are supposed to last okay what is life it is a vapor he says so don't concern yourself don't boast about oh me and my kingdom oh the things that i want to do he says no he says humble yourself humble yourself and, and, and we are to say if the lord wills we shall live and do this or that see and that's the end see what we are called to do as mature believers is to humble ourselves put away our pride and we are to submit our lives, every aspect of our life, every dream, every hope, even every possession to the Lord and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Now, this is not a sermon about tithing, so please don't take it that way. It's not about that. It's about when the Lord calls you to do something, do it. It doesn't matter what it costs you. It doesn't matter you know, what harm may come to you on this earth. If it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And there's a reason why he's calling you to do it and submit yourself to him. Don't have your big plan. Oh, I got my portfolio and I got to have a million dollars by the time I retire so I can like have the easy life. I don't, any, I don't know anybody here that has a million dollars. But if you do, cool. But in the end, it's like, who cares? Because when you die, you ain't taking it with you. So Solomon learned that. He's like, hey, what, what's the big deal? Yeah, you save all this money and then you die and somebody else takes it. So what was the point of saving up all that money in the first place? Nothing. It was vanity. It's empty. It doesn't mean anything. 
But so often we boast in our plans, don't we? We boast in our portfolios. We, we boast in our retirement plan. We boast in our college funds for our kids. We boast in all these things. He says, so you, you boast in your arrogance because we get proud about all these things. He says, all such boasting is evil. He says, it doesn't mean anything. Because if it's not for the kingdom, it's nothing. Only the things for the kingdom of heaven will have substance. Right? One glass of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ has more weight and value than all of the giveaways Oprah Winfrey has ever done. Because they were not done in the name of Jesus Christ. They were done in the name of philanthropy and peace and other things, but they were not done in the name of Jesus Christ. And so one cup of cold water in the name of Jesus is eternal, where all those things will burn one day. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Knows to do what good? The good is to submit yourself to the Lord, to trust in Him, to allow Him to have mastery over your life. And, 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 and God isn't like a dictator. Oh, you have to do this. Like, no, no, it's nothing like that. He shows us the good way. Those of you who have kids, right? You have kids. And is it like, it's like you're doing it just because you want your way? No, no, you're doing it because you want to teach them, raise them up and give them the good things, right? Because you want to give them more than you had when you were a kid, right? That's every parent's dream, to give their kids more than they had. Very few parents, unless I guess you're like millionaires or something like that, say like, I want my kids to have less than what I had. You know, very few want that. So we are called to humble ourselves. We are, we are called to understand what is good and what is bad. And we are called to do good. And the things that are good that we don't do, it is counted as sin against us. It's called the sin of omission. So guys, the lesson tonight is talking about putting away pride. Putting away pride. Walking in humility with one another and in submission to the Lord. And in, as we do that, we will be the body of Christ. Loving one another, each supplying its part. Building each other up, strengthening one another. Pleasing God. Isn't that what we want as believers? Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, for this night. Lord, we pray that, that our lives would be pleasing to you. And Lord, if there is just a spirit of gossip in us, Lord, or slander or talking down to each other,